Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Are we happy to be here today? Yes. It don't sound like it. Yes. Are we happy to be here today? Yes. yes. I want you to give someone an air high five. <laughs> Social distancing, remember. <laughs> air high five and say welcome to church. I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a testimony. Thank you for being here today. Um, first of all, I'd like us to bow our heads. Today, we're, this might sound somehow new, but today we're here to relax in the presence of God. Isn't that what we need now with everything that's going on? We're here to relax and let the peace of God overflow in our hearts. Are we in agreement? Yeah. Because we know when two or three of us as Christians agree, what happens? There is power made available and the Lord is in our midst. We know we carry God's presence, right? Everywhere we go, we carry his presence. But now as a collective, as a unit, as a church, there's a greater command of that presence. There are things we can make happen from here that affect the nation. So are we in agreement? Yeah. So now that we know we're in agreement, what are we going to do today? We're here to relax in the presence of God. So I want you to take a deep breath. At home or in the auditorium here, take a deep breath. Inhale. Inhale, exhale, inhale, inhale, exhale. Father, we thank you. We honor you, Lord. With all that we have, with all that we are, we say be exalted, be magnified above every other thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll start by saying um, thank you to the pastor for this opportunity for me to take over the service today. Thank you to my fellow youth for this opportunity also and for the love and cooperation amongst us. I pray that we continue to grow. <laughs> <laughs> So, what have we been talking about this month? And uh, I'll warn you, I'm um, into interaction, you know. You might see me normally, and I don't talk much, but I like to talk sometimes. This is one of those times. So, <laughs> so bear with me. I will need your response in so many, at so many points in the service. So, are we ready? So, there's been a lot going on these days, and as a church, God has been speaking to us, right? God is never silent. Though our receivers may be turned down sometimes, but God is never silent. So, our word for the month, do you remember? What is it? Setting the weights. Can we read that scripture together? We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud, let us lay aside every weight 
from the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the grace that is set before us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside everyone. Weight. Shedding the weight. How many of us know what a weight is? I think we should all know. Especially those of us that work out. Hmm? It's, it's something that, it's anything. Oh, let's go into physics now, I'm sorry. It's, it's anything matter that occupies space and exerts a force, mostly a downward force on you, and prevents movement, right? It exerts a force on you that prevents free movement. That's what it does. And some of us intentionally go to a facility, pay tens and hundreds of dollars every month to go to those facilities and lift these things. In order to do what? <laughs> Something to lose weight, some to gain muscle. You see, you see the irony in it? You lift weight to shed weight. It's funny, right? And it's, it's strange and not strange in a way because you're lifting weight with the effort to shed weight in another area, right? So you're working to shed weight in one area by lifting weight in another area. So the question is, in what areas are you lifting weights? The areas in which you're lifting weights, are they beneficial to you? Or are they detrimental? So I want you to ask your neighbor. Say neighbor. neighbor. Friend. Friend. Brother. Brother. Sister. Sister. Are you lifting Beneficial, beneficial or detrimental weight? You don't have to answer. <laughs> First of all, I want to open to Proverbs 12.25. And the title of this message is Worry as a Weight. Worry as a Weight. And in the Bible we can see or the weight of worry. And we can see in the Bible that weight, uh, worry and anxiety are used interchangeably. Are we there? Yes. Are we together? Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Anxiety is equal to weight in the heart of a man. So imagine, think about it. How many of us have been to the gym here? Even if it's once. <laughs> sometime three years ago, sometime last year, or yesterday, you've been to the have you ever tried to lift something you couldn't lift? And you have to just move away and respect yourself. <laughs> and go to the lower class weights. How many of us have done that? What did you notice when you tried to lift, first of all, the light one? What was it like? When you picked it up, you were able to lift it, right? But when you tried to pick the heavier one, what happened? Hmm? 
You couldn't lift it, right? I said we are to be interacting now, so please talk to me. So, what's the difference between both? You know, it's possible that both weights are the same shape and size, right? But still, why can't you lift one and you can lift the other? Why? It's because they both contain different quantities of matter. And the amount of gravity exerted on both of them is quite different. That is, the mass of both of them is quite different. That's why you couldn't lift it. Now imagine that in your heart, in your mind. We can call it anxiety. Now, we've talked about physical weight. How many of us have ever been worried about anything? If you have, please put your hand up. Thank God. We've all been worried about something at every point in our lives. In fact, some of us are worrying right now. Right now. Some of us are thinking, oh, man, I'm working at 5 p.m. I have to get home, I have to do this, I have to do that. The kids are going to do this, this, So many things. Some of us are even worrying about the food we're going to eat after service. Not that there's no food, but all that food. There's plantain, there's rice, there's everything. What am I going to say? From the trivial, from the mundane, to the really serious. You're worrying about all those things, trivial things right now. There's somebody worrying about receiving an organ transplant to survive. There's somebody who's worried he's going to be evicted from his home tomorrow with his family. So you see the degrees of weight. So like Brianna, what, what do you think she's worried about right now? Actually, she has no worries. Because when she needs Capricorn, what does she need to do? Cry. Cry. And who's going to have to worry about the Capricorn? Mommy has to be the one to provide what she needs by whatever means necessary. She doesn't care how mommy gets it. I'm sure when she was younger, mommy would be sleeping 3 a.m. in the morning, just here, sound the alarm. What does she want? She wants to be fed. Not caring what mommy has been through all day or what mommy is going to do the next day. And as we grow, as we advance in age, as we advance in position, what we need to worry or what we need to worry about seems to grow inside also. I want to test your memory. Do I have your permission? Do I have your permission? Yes. I want you to think back. One year ago today. What's today's date? How many months in advance, by the way? <laughs> today is May 31st. Think back to May 31st, 2019. What were you worrying about that day? <laughs> That's the question number one. What are you what were you worrying about that day? What was it exams? What else? Let's have it. Dissertation. Why is this cool? <laughs> Why is it always cool? So now think about it. Are you still worrying about it right now? That thing you were worrying about one year ago, today, are you still worried about it right now? 
Right. That's what we're here to talk about today. Amen. Do I still have you? Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're starting from verse 25, reading to 34. Are we together? It says, Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life. Who's talking here first? Let's know who's talking. Who? Do we know who's talking here? Jesus. I'm only pastor name. <laughs> who's talking here? Jesus. We all agree it's Jesus, right? Is anybody that thought it was Nicodemus? Okay, it's Jesus. <laughs> he says, Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life. First of all, what you will what? Or what you will? No, about your what you will put on is life not more than food, and the body not more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. How many of us have ever seen birds? Neither they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Let's stay on that for a second. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cent to their bank account balance? If you've ever done it before, please teach me. That by worrying, you just added 1,000 to your account. So what is Jesus saying here in essence? Worry is what? Useless words. It is of no use to the believer. But we, I can just stand here. You can, you can look at me and be like, does he know what he's talking about? Does he know what I'm going through? I can just stand here. Honestly, you're right. I can just stand here and try to be to, to you. I'm believing your anxiety, your worry, like it's nothing. But that is not my intention. Because you, can I confess something to you? Is this a safe place? Yes. <laughs> Are you not going to tell anybody? No. Okay, thank you. I worry about things too. As I stand here, if you have to do these five things I'm worried about, trust me. I'll give you six. <laughs> you ask for five, I'll give you six. If I try hard, I'll give you ten. Because that's what the flesh is wired to do. To magnify the bad more than the good. To see the mountain as bigger and insurmountable. Instead of seeing the God that is bigger than the mountain. Instead of seeing the God that created the mountain. It's like you preparing... What's the simplest food to prepare? Can someone help me? Boiled egg. <laughs> Okay, it's like you boiling egg. You crack the shell and everything's on a plate. And imagine a world, just 
I can't even enjoy just for a minute. Imagine a world where that egg has power over you. Is it, does it sound realistic? So how does the mountain have more power than the God who created it? Than the God who called it into existence? It sounds absurd, right? So instead of considering the mountain, consider the God that made the mountain. Instead of considering the blockage created by the mountain, consider the God that said, you can say to what? This mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And what does the mountain do? It moves. That with faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Have you seen a mountain? You can't live in Colorado <laughs> and say you've not seen what a mountain looks like. Now imagine a mustard seed. It's all the energy, it's all the power you need to move that mountain. But you do know that the power is not in the seed. The power is not in the mustard seed itself. The power is in the God that is capable of moving the mountain. So that teaches us to shift our focus from what we're worried about to the God that told us not to worry. Let's move on. Are you still with me? Yes. If I'm losing you, let me know. If I'm being too boring, I'll try and crack some jokes. <laughs> so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They need a toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's go back one verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm, I can bet a million dollars, my imaginary million dollars in my account, <laughs> that this is not the first time you have seen that scripture. Right? This is not the first time, is it? Said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, that's, that's usually the, most of us that have been on campuses in Nigeria before, or somewhere, sometime, we've always heard it. When they tell you, stop chasing money, stop chasing power. Seek first the kingdom of God. But we seem to just, I don't know, like many things in the Bible, we seem to just, Take the word for the word. I don't know if you get what I mean. 
Like take the word. If you say cup, 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 kingdom, kingdom. What is a kingdom? Is it a place? Is it a location somewhere? So is this verse actually saying seek heaven? How do you seek heaven? Is there some GPS that tells you where it is so all of us can drive up there and just we are seeking heaven and those righteousness? No. I, I came to realize that a kingdom is not just a location or a place or somewhere to be physically. It's a place to dwell spiritually, mentally, consciously, every day of our lives. The kingdom, the, a kingdom is a place where the effect of a king is felt, where the realm of his power is in operation. So when you say the kingdom of God, it's not just where God rules, it's where God's word is law, it's where God's principles are in operation. When you say, there are similar words too in the English language. Wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the realm of operation of the wise. It's how, it's how the wise ones operate. It's how, okay, when you say you are wise, your wisdom has made way for you, something like that. It means the realm of wisdom in which you operate has made way for you. So when you say, Seek first the kingdom of God. It means let everything in your life, let everything that you do reflect that God is king over you. Your mind, your will, your emotion, everything you do, let it reflect, let it show that God is king. In a kingdom, when a king decrees something, what is it? It is law. When God says, this is no longer paper, this is now stone, whether you are seeing paper, doesn't matter anymore. It has changed from that second. Why? Because where his word is, is where his power is, is where his kingdom is in operation. Amen. Amen. Are you still with me? Ask your neighbor, are you still here? Amen. Let's move on. It says, Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life no more than food, or the body more than food. Can we go to that last verse? It said, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is even enough. What Jesus is saying here in essence, if I understand it correctly, is why are you worrying about tomorrow? There's enough to worry about right now as you're worrying about tomorrow. Because when you get to tomorrow, you have to worry about those things that are coming in the next tomorrow. So is there any use in you worrying at all? Amen. There will always be something to worry about. Think about it. But what we often miss is that there's always something also to be grateful for. And it's amazing how the things we see that we need to worry about, like I said, comparing what 
someone that Brianna will be worrying about. It's what someone like me will be worrying about will be different. Now just imagine having no worries at all. That thing you're worrying about right now is removed. Just imagine. How would you feel? Think about it. I want you to take a moment and think about it. That thing you're worrying about, imagine you don't have to worry about it anymore. That is the realm in which God wants us to dwell every day in our lives. But can we do it on our own? Can we? Is there anything we can actually do on our own? I think this will be more vivid for those of us that are in the medical field. <clears throat> Imagine you have to worry about regulating your body temperature by yourself. Or imagine when you eat, you have to control salivation by yourself. You have to control your own digestion. You have to worry about, oh, rice digests in four hours. So I have to complete this in four hours while writing my dissertation. How would that be? There are hundreds of processes, biological and chemical processes, going on in your body as you're seated here. Imagine having to worry about manually controlling all those processes. How would our lives be? And those are some of the most important things going on in our lives that keep us going. Imagine you couldn't walk. Wouldn't that be another level of worry? Wouldn't what you're worrying about right now become very small compared to that worry? Ask yourself. Imagine, consider those who cannot see. You're looking at me, you can, you can look around. Just take a moment to look around. Appreciate the colors. Before we started, we took deep breaths. You can breathe. Your lungs work. Your nose works. Is it by your doing? No. All those simple things you take for granted every day, realize that if they're taking away, every other thing you're worrying about becomes very small in comparison. Amen. Amen. Let's move on. <clears throat> Let's turn to Philippians 4. Right now we're just exploring what the Bible says about worry. And I'm yet to see anywhere in the Bible where worry is supported. Have you found any? If you find one, please let me know. Philippians 4, verse 6. Can we look at it together? One, two, go. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Mm -hmm. And what? Brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
received and heard and saw me these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Can I go back to verse 6? Did we follow that um, part of scripture very well? He says, Be anxious for some things. Be anxious for some not too big things. Be anxious for only the big stuff. Is that what it says? Hmm. No. It says, Be anxious for nothing. For nothing. That means here, there is no regard being paid to the size of the weight, the, the urgency, the threat, so to speak. But in everything, by what? Another word I'll call your attention to, to not miss. It says, but in what? But in what? Everything. Simple word, but very important. It's incredible how God takes us the smallest things that we might just overlook. And they happen to be the most important pieces of information in the scripture. He said, be anxious for nothing. The message transition, I believe, says, worry about nothing, but pray about everything. But in everything, he said, do not fret or worry. <clears throat> this is the message. Instead of worrying, pray. In simple English, that's what it says. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Now, what does your prayer look like? I think pastor has taught us on prayer before. And I know that the pastor didn't teach us how to pray. Because I believe we all know how to pray. Is there anyone that doesn't know how to pray here? <clears throat> Thank God, Pastor is here. <laughs> you can see him after service. Then, instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into concerns. You notice how we put something else into that scripture? Let petitions and what? Praises. Can you praise in sorrow? Have you ever seen someone praising and celebrating and the emotion in their face is sadness? Has it happened? Why? Because praise is a sign of celebration, right? <clears throat> When we come to praise God, we, we're all smiles, we're all celebrating, and everything. What this scripture is saying is, in spite of what's going on around you, or in front of you, or the challenges you're facing, your response is praise. This past, this, this year, especially, I was telling Brian before service, I said, everything that's happening this year in America and the world looks like the plot of a very bad movie. Like, it looks like something someone just wrote in the script. <laughs> One thing after the other. But in the midst of this, you're here. Are you better than the next person? Are you special in some way? 
are you more valuable in some way than the next person? Does God love you more than the fellow human being? Or is it that the grace of God covers you everywhere you go? Is it coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus? Yeah, we take precautions and all that. But imagine you could physically see the coronavirus. Do you know how many times you may have come in contact with it? Can you imagine? A lot of worry, a lot of panic, a lot of turmoil everywhere. Everybody's worried about one thing now or the other. You step out of the house, there's a new thing to worry about. You open your eyes, you turn on the TV. I didn't even watch the news. I decided long ago. I wasn't going to watch the news or bother myself with other. But it's, it's a system of the world now to, in a way, romanticize or magnify the bad news more than the good news. Tune into CNN now. You're not going to see positive news. Why? Because it gives them ratings. It gives them a, a reason to come to work and say, oh, we got there first. Where the person got shot, or this person, this thing happened. And they keep feeding you all that information. And you get more anxious. You get more anxious. You get more anxious. You get, you get more worried. And if you're not careful, that will replace prayer. That will replace praise in your life. And that's the biggest mistake a believer can make. Allow something else to take center stage apart from God. Allow something else to displace God. Because if anything can hold us together right now in the midst of all this, it's God himself. It's the grace of God that can hold us together. Amen. Amen. Are we still here? Yeah. Let's read on. Do not fret or worry. Instead of worry, pray. Go to God. Talk to him. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Talk to God like a father. What are you worried about? God is omniscient. He knows all. What God is seeking here is not information. It's intimacy. God is not looking for new information. Imagine a God that required humans to get new information about events. That was no longer a God. If God needed you to brief him on the happenings or the goings on of the world, it's omniscient, it's omnipotent. What does that mean? It's all powerful, all knowing. So he knows what you're going through. He knows what you'll be going through May 31st, 2021. He knows. He knows what's waiting for you in 2025. Can God ever be surprised? Can you surprise God? If you believe you can surprise God, then you got it wrong. If God can be surprised, then he's no longer God. He sees all and he knows all. 
He is everywhere and everywhere. Amen. So be anxious for nothing. Tell someone next to you, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And it's in steps. By prayer, you come to God, you talk to Him. In supplication, you present everything that's on your mind to Him. And in thanksgiving, it's a show of your faith that whatever you've come to God with, it is done and settled. Then you thank Him for that because you know He's the Father that never prays. Another question Has God ever failed you? Has he ever failed you? Do you think he's going to start that habit now? So why worry? Now, the next verse, the next uh, piece of scripture we're going to be looking at is Matthew 11, 28. This is my second favorite scripture. The first one is Philippians 4, 13. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I can bet another million dollars in my account that this is not the first thing I've seen this. Right? My, my money is safe. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's to me, and nobody has collected it. It's good. <laughs> Matthew eleven twenty eight. Now look at the message transition. I love this transition so much. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Next one. I will show you how to take a real rest. Can we go to the next one? Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let me look at it from here. Okay, it says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I would lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Next. Keep company with me. And you learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Let's go back to 28. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Next person. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Let's stay on that. 
So what is the key here? Everything we've read, there are so many words in Genesis translation, kind of just expands it and blows it up a little. But everything here, in my opinion, can be summed up to one word. Do you know what that word is? Intimacy. Communion. A coming together between child and father to learn. He says, walk with me. When you're walking with someone, you can't be you can't be in Denver and that person is in where? California. There's a closeness that exists. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Why are you watching how he does it? Exactly. Why do you think Jesus said, greater things than these you shall do? Because that's what he did with the disciples. He walked with them. He worked with them. They watched how he did it. That is why Peter could stand and tell the demon, get out. That is why they could walk by and their shadow would cause healing. They watched how he did it. So they were able to do it. They even did greater things. They even did more marvelous things than he did. They learned the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms. It means most of the work is not even yours to do. It's not something you force. It's not something you harness. It's something that flows from the giver to the receiver. The giver in this picture being Jesus, the receiver being you. It just flows from here to you effortlessly. To learn those unforced rhythms. Why are you learning the rhythm? What is rhythm? It's sequencing, arrangement of notes, of, of lines that make music go or flow easily. Have you ever seen a lake? Have you ever seen a stream? The way it flows without disturbance, the way it flows. That is how, that is how Jesus desires that his love, his grace flows through you. He said, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy. I won't lay a weight on you. I won't lay anything ill-fitting, something that doesn't fit you, something you can't handle. I would not lay it on you. It's a promise. It's not just a statement. Next verse. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. All you need to do here is keep company with him. He's not asking you to even... He didn't say... Go on a 72-day drive fast. No food, no water. And you learn to live freely and lightly. You will live lightly, definitely. You will lose some weight. But it's not what he's asking you to do here. He said, keep company with me. Stay with me. Let us reason together. Let's talk. Let's talk as friends. Let's talk as father and son. A father and daughter. 
you learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. First Peter 5 verse 7. This one is even simple. And I bet you've seen this before too. Casting all your care upon him. Why? I can't hear you. Well, he cares for you. Casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Casting everything to him. Everything. In those moments of intimacy. In those moments of being alone with him. In those moments of talking to him. In those moments of sharing with him what you're carrying. You're not just sharing. You're not just giving him information or giving him a news briefing. You are casting everything on him. Do you see how these pieces of scripture are linked? I don't know if, you, if you're connecting the dots. First, we learned about do not worry about what you wear, what you eat, what you drink. Then we went to worry about nothing but prayer, pray about everything. Now we saw what that prayer looks like. Intimacy. Being together with him. Talking with him. Sharing with him. And now we see what happens when you do that. What you're doing is you're casting all your care upon him. Saying, this load is too heavy for me. Take it. Have you ever done that before? Like you're lifting something heavy. Maybe you're moving to a new apartment. Then maybe a couple of nice friends. We all need friends like that. They help you move. Stuff like that. They came to help you move, and you're carrying something too heavy, and you hand it over to that person who could carry it better. How do you feel after you give that heavy load away? Happy? Restful? That is how you feel when you cast all your care upon Him. He didn't say reserve some of the care, even the smallest things. Like He said it plainly what to wear. What to wear, what to eat, what to drink. All your cares, everything that could take your attention at all from him. I think, in fact, if you think about it, that's the most important currency to God. Attention. Amen. Because what you give your attention to has your focus. And whatever has your focus is where you direct your energy to. Is where you direct your resources to. Is where you give your heart to. So cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And there's one assurance you can always have. One assurance that you can always have is in Ephesians 3.20. Once you've casted all your cares on him, what is he going to do with it? God says, now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we what? Ask or think. According to what? The power that works in us. 
after you've done all, you've given all that you could give to him, you've, you've casted all your cares, you've done all the worry on him. What is he going to do? He's able to do exceeding above what you've even asked. You notice that sometimes you pray for something and God, God goes the extra mile. Why? Because he's not the God of the bare minimum. He's not the God that fulfills the minimum requirement. No. He likes to surpass expectation. He likes to show off. Amen. When he was creating the earth, he didn't just stop there. He made eight other planets. He made the sun. He made the moon. And we learn every day through science there are other galaxies even in existence that we don't even know what's even happening over there. Amen. There are billions and billions of galaxies. Each galaxy has billions and billions of stars. And our, our sun that we see up here is one of the smallest, big as it is. That kind of God is not a God to be trifled with. He's not a God that you tell, I need this, I want this done, and he just does the bare minimum. No. That is what gives you the confidence to cast your cares upon him. Imagine, it's something you've all experienced. How many of us do get money from our parents? Don't you have the confidence that if I need $20 and I'm in dire need of $20, if I go to daddy, I say, daddy, I need $20. Would you be surprised if daddy gave you 50? <laughs> okay, let's go lower. <laughs> if you ask Daddy for five dollars, would you be surprised if he gave you twenty? Wow. <laughs> I hope your dad is watching this. <laughs> what I'm saying in essence is when you know someone is able, that's the key word in that verse. Not to him who is able. It's not just by word of mouth. It's not just by um, by his status because he's your father. He's able. That means he has the ability to do exceedingly abundantly above. Did he say just a little bit above, more than average? No. That means you ask for five, he gives you five thousand. All that we ask or think. The one you didn't even ask. That's what he's trying to say. The message is even dare to imagine. He's able to do above all that. So would you rather put your confidence in him? Who is able to do all that? Or is something else or someone else? So the question still remains. Why carry the weight of worry? Tomorrow will worry about itself. What you're worrying about right now is probably not what you're going to be worrying about tomorrow afternoon. So why worry? Instead of worry, pray. And let prayer and praise shape your worries. Change them. Transform them into testimony, into thanksgiving. 
so that as you live your life in that never-ending anthem of joy, of praise, of gladness, of praise to God, you set an example for the world to follow. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the, all the turmoil, you are that beacon of light. You are that city on a hill. What's the point of a city on a hill? It's so the world can see it. Who lights a lamp in a dark room and puts it under a bucket? It doesn't make any sense. And it starts with you being or learning to walk with him, work with him, and watch how he does it. Like I said at the beginning, the purpose of this message <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit has brought this morning is to help us relax. Simple. Plain and simple. To help you relax and look to Him instead. There's so much noise around you. There's so much. There's, there's a storm around you, but you're calm on the inside. Not because of you or your ability to remain calm but because of he who dwells in you. He who works with you, walks with you. And he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask of him. Amen. Can you please rise up and ask me? Now I want you to just focus on God now. Not on yourself, not on your worries, not on anything that is in front of you or around you. I need you to look to God right now. And begin to cast everything upon Him. All your cares, all your worries. Everything that has weighed you down. The fact that today is the last day in the month of shedding the weights doesn't mean that it ends here. No. It's to, it's to raise our consciousness to the fact that there are weights that we carry, that we need to let go of. There are weights that bring us down, that prevent us from moving at the speed God wants us to move at, that we need to throw down. Right now, you're not just throwing those weights down, you're handing them over to He who is able to lift them for you. Amen. Father, we thank you. We exalt you. We magnify your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you're a good, good Father. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us every step of the way. As we go through life, you are with us in the storm, in the calm, through thick and thin. Even as we walk around, as we sleep, as we eat, no matter what we do, we thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Your presence is always with us. We thank you, Lord, for your ability to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. And Lord, every weight that besets us, every weight that brings us down, release to you. We release to you. We release to you, Lord. We enter a new realm of operation. 
We live freely. We live lightly. We live in an unending stream of praise, thanksgiving, and testimony. In Jesus' name. Put your hands together for Jesus.